Today, we turn to Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Before we hear our scripture, let us go to God in prayer. Holy and gracious God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, illuminate this scripture for us that we may faithfully follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hear this reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his novel, A Gentleman in Moscow, author Amor Tolls writes, When one experiences a profound setback in the course of an enviable life, one has a variety of options. Spurred by shame, one may attempt to hide all evidence of the change in one's circumstances. Thus, the merchant who gambles away his savings will hold on to his finer suits until they fray, 
and tell anecdotes from the halls of the private clubs where his membership has long since lapsed. In a state of self-pity, one may retreat from the world in which one has been blessed to live. Thus, the long-suffering husband, finally disgraced by his wife in society, may be the one who leaves his home in exchange for a small, dark apartment on the other side of town. Or, one may simply join the Confederacy of the Humbled. Like the Freemasons, the Confederacy of the Humbled is a close-knit brotherhood whose members travel with no outward markings, but who know each other at a glance. For having fallen suddenly from grace, those in the Confederacy share a certain perspective. Knowing beauty, influence, fame, and privilege to be borrowed rather than bestowed, they are not easily impressed. They are not quick to envy or take offense. They certainly do not scour the papers in search of their own names. They remain committed to living among their peers, but they greet adulation with caution, ambition with sympathy, and condescension with an inward smile. Based on the passage we heard from Paul's letter to the Romans, we can safely assume the Apostle Paul counted himself a member of the Confederacy of the Humbled. And let me just say that I know confederacy is a loaded word for us, but in his novel, Tolls is using it in its original definition of an alliance. The Apostle Paul would have counted himself a member of the confederacy of the humbled because Paul, back when he was Saul, was a zealous persecutor of the first Jesus followers, but then experienced this dramatic transformation when the risen Jesus confronted him on the Damascus Road. In that encounter, Paul realizes he was wrong. Once Paul joins this new movement, he is a changed man, one who not only knows the breadth and depth of God's love, but who is on a mission to share that love with the world. For Paul, who did so much to create and shape the very first churches, Christians are not just members of the Confederacy of the Humbled. We are baptized into a community defined by and grounded in love. For Paul, a church is a community of the beloved, a community who loves one another and shares that love with the world. A few years ago at the Chautauqua Institution in upstate New York, I had the joy and privilege of hearing sermons every day for a week from Father Gregory Boyle, the Jesuit priest who started Homeboy Industries, which is the largest rehabilitation ministry to gang members in the world. Boyle had brought with him to Chautauqua several of the former gang members with whom he works. One day, I attended a small gathering where two of them, Marco and Jason, told their stories. Both were born into poverty, grew up without fathers, dropped out of elementary school to join gangs, and ended up in prison not long after fathering children of their own. 
In time, each of them had their own Damascus Road experience when they met Father G, as they call him, and learned about Homeboy Industries. Instead of the shame and violence that defined their gang life, at Homeboy, Marco and Jason discovered a kind of unconditional love and support they had never known before. As part of the program, they got jobs, earned their GEDs, and worked side by side with former rivals. In other words, they joined the Confederacy of the Humbled and became members of the community of the Beloved. Jason shared that coming to Chautauqua was the third time he had traveled with Father G. The first time was to a juvenile detention center. It was hard, Jason said, because I had been there myself and I knew exactly what their lives were like. I wanted to help them change. But before we went in, Father G said, now we're not going to go in here and scare them straight. We're going to care them straight. We're just going to love them. And that, it turns out, is enough to turn someone's life completely around. In this passage from Romans, Paul reminds us that because of the extraordinary love God has for each one of us, we are called to be a people whose lives and actions are transformed and defined by love. Love for one another, love for the stranger, love for the outcast, love for the enemy, as well as love for the friend. According to Paul, this community called church, where the people who gather know the depth of God's love and claim the promise of this love, is the community of the beloved. And in this community, we will not judge, we will not write off, we will not condemn, we will not name call, we will not cast out, we will not separate, we will not attack, we will not stand over, we will love. We will love not only because it is what we are called to do, but because through God's love revealed in Jesus, we have learned that love has the power to transform the world, one person and one relationship at a time. Of course, the world tries to tell us that it isn't love that changes people. The world tells us we must use discipline, punishment, consequence, rewards, shows of strength, and displays of power to enact change. Because of this relentless message that change comes through power and might, people will constantly make the case for anything but love. But according to the Apostle Paul, once we have truly experienced God's love revealed to us in Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we cannot help but be transformed and made new. This transformation not only means that we see ourselves differently as members of the Confederacy of the Humbled, it also means we see others differently. 
Through the lens of our minds transformed by God's love, we suddenly see, as did Paul, that every person has a critical role to play in the community of the beloved. A week ago, the Reverend Janet Legros and our youth ministry director, Elise Cardo-Methaney, led over 20 7th and 8th graders in a day-long confirmation retreat. Confirmation is a process into which we invite young people when they are 13 or 14 years old to learn more about the claims of our faith and decide for themselves whether they want to claim Christianity as their own. At the retreat, the confirmands had the chance to share what frustrates them about Christianity and what inspires them. And as I read the notes Janet shared afterward with the pastoral staff, I couldn't help but think of Paul's writing that we heard in today's passage. What frustrates our young people about Christianity is when the church and its people abuse power by suggesting that God is limited to a particular gender, or by excluding certain people because they haven't lived up to some unattainable standard of perfection. The Bible, our young people said, should not be used to hurt and judge people. In contrast, what inspires them about the Christian faith and the possibilities of the church is its call to love and accept all people as they are, which, by the way, several of them praised our church for doing so well. Christians, they said, can be motivated by love and compassion, helping others in whatever ways they need, not in order that they might believe as we do, but simply because this is what God calls us to do, love one another. What an incredible vision these young people painted, a vision that suggests they know what it means to be part of the confederacy of the humbled and the community of the beloved. The very community Paul describes with this metaphor of the body of Christ in which every part, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant, plays a critical role a community where people are motivated by the love we see in Jesus. Love that is not primarily a feeling or an emotion, but a commitment to be in relationship with people, all people, in a way that mirrors God's relationship with us. Again and again in his letters, Paul teaches that God's love is the most powerful force in the world because only love can name what is true and look beyond judgment to find a solution. Only love creates a level playing field where real dialogue is possible. Only love enables us to put the needs of others above our own. Only love has the power to transform, to truly make us new. Every one of us needs reminders of that love, the love God has for each of us, love that cannot be earned or deserved, which also means it cannot be lost or taken away. And this is because that love, God's love, is nothing less than God. For God is love itself. 
which means when we share love, we are sharing nothing less than God. Today, as we remember and celebrate the graduating seniors in our church community, this is the message we want them to hear and take with them that God loves them, that we love them, that God is love, and that as they move into the next phase of their lives, whatever that looks like, they do so surrounded and upheld by that love which is God, and they carry that love, they carry God wherever they go. In a world in which we are taught that there is not enough of anything to go around, and where we must earn our place and hold on to it with everything we've got, God's love is utterly and radically different it is unconditional, all-encompassing, and never-ending. When we grasp the truth of this love, then we just might have a chance at following Paul's wisdom to let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. May we joyfully accept our membership into the confederacy of the humbled and the community of the beloved, so that we may learn to see ourselves and everyone else with all of our idiosyncrasies and shortcomings as God's beloved, trusting that that love is God within us and that when we allow that love to overflow beyond us, we transform the world and make it new. Amen.